Welcome to Store News here with Kevin Clark. I am Kevin Clark. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the son of one of the greatest guests in the history of this show and one of the best guests we've had in a long time. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Chris Sims. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. All right, Chris Sims, one of my favorite people in media. He hosts the Chris Sims Unbuttoned Podcasts, one of the football podcasts I listen to every single time it comes out. What's going on, brother? All right, what's up, Kevin? Thanks for having me, man. Hope you're well. And I, I appreciate that, man. I had I had heard through the grapevine that you were a listener of my podcast. And uh, the rumor you've always mill? Been comp- the rumor yeah, the mill. Rumor wow. mill. You've been complimentary to me to my face about it before, but... I've even had other people who you have reached out to or, or said things before and said, you know, told me you listen regularly. So that's good to hear, man. I'm a stan. I'm a stan, stan culture for Chris Sims Unbuttoned Podcast. Um, I have a couple of things for you. Number one, you're probably aware of this because I talked to you afterwards. Your father is the best guest in the history of this show. He came on at the <laughs> Super Bowl and he turned into Don Rickles and he just roasted me for five minutes. Yeah, Should exactly. I not say anything nice about him? Just rip no, his but, ass the whole time? Yeah, that's exactly right. How can he improve as a host? Quit. Damn. <laughs> yes. Yes. Did you wear that jacket in high school? Uh, I could have, yes. Why? I'm just wondering. <laughs> can you ask me a damn good question? Just at least act like a reporter for a second? We've Where? turned Phil Sims into Jeffrey Ross. We're just roasting everybody. This is amazing. <laughs> this is what I always do. We've been trying to get him back. It hasn't really worked. First of all, there hasn't been a Super Bowl radio row really since. But he's he is number one. Every year we reach out to CBS and we say, Big Phil, it's time. What? But you let me know. We can we can work this. I mean, uh, we can definitely get Big Phil. I can put in the good word for you. I can give his number directly. But yeah, it's cool to hear. Dad, to me, my I mean, my father is is uh gosh, how do I even want to say? He's really, I think, one of the most misunderstood people in NFL history in a lot of ways. You know, I think he's misunderstood as a player. I don't think people really, uh, unless you were alive at that time, really know what he was. I hear like game manager and things like that with my dad a lot. And I want to go, well, you didn't watch my dad. He threw more interceptions than touchdowns a lot of years (laughs) of his career. They were like crazy aggressive. And I think out of like four to five years in the middle of the 80s, 
nobody threw the ball down the field more in the sport than Dan, than except for Dan Marino, other than yeah. my dad. So that, and then I think people over the years with CBS and, you know, when my dad does a national broadcast, he, he plays it close to the best. He be, he's professional. He doesn't want to, you know, he just wants to tell the game and tell what's going on and doesn't let his personality out sometimes. And, you know, good. You got to see it a little bit. I think it's one thing that people are always shocked when they get around my dad. They're always like, Oh my gosh, your dad's crazy. He says crazy stuff. He's so <laughs> funny. And uh, I think they expect him to be like he is, you know, or was with Jim Nance on CBS. One thing about the eighties, the style of play back then for quarterbacks was crazy. It was completely yes, it was. different. Com- like it was right. a completely different sport back then. Like, you know, no crazy. Like, you know, again, people weren't worried about quarterback rating and efficiency. <laughs> I mean, dad, some of the stories my dad would tell me, I mean, Parcells before a game, just keep throwing the ball down the field. Be <laughs> aggressive. If you throw an interception, so what? We're going to come back and throw it some more. Uh, it was. Dad and I actually recently watched an old game of his against, you know, the then Washington Redskins, Commanders now. And it was him versus Doug Williams in a 1988 game. And I, my dad was like 17 for 31 for like, you know, 345 yards and every throw was a 20 yard in cut a box and Doug Williams. It was even more. He was like 12 for 35 for like 340 yards. Like it was either an incompletion or a 50 yard completion. But to your point, that was the game back then. It was, it was definitely different than now. It was completely insane. I, I grew up watching, I guess, like late 90s football, so I didn't get it. And you see some of the stats from like 1982, and like, what the hell was going on in this sport? It's unbelievable. <laughs> right. I know. Um, speaking of old quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, totally done? Not totally done, but, you know, at a point where I tried to explain even with like Brady in previous years, and I think we're finally here with Rodgers, it's not totally done. What's totally done is – the version we remember of Aaron Rodgers, the guy that can carry the team no matter what, right? I mean, forever it was, you know, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers are coming to town to play us this week. That, that's how awesome Aaron Rodgers was. Oh, the defense stinks, doesn't matter. They're in the Super Bowl conversation because they got Aaron Rodgers. Right. You know, his ability to carry that team and the offense and all that is, is unparalleled and up there, of course, with the greatest of all time. He's not capable of doing that anymore. You don't see many off-schedule plays, right, Kevin? You don't see right. him get out of the pocket, make magic happen. You don't even see him dance around the pocket and make the crazy throws he used to make. So, no, he needs a certain support system, a certain formula now to make it work. He is, this year, the disappointing thing is, and I saw this at the end of last year, is lack of aggressive decisions and, you know, and, and, and frame of mind when dropping back the pass, looking for the check down too quick, mm-hmm. looking at the pocket and not seeing downfield. Those have been some problems from, from Aaron Rodgers. But, man, Kevin, his arm is still awesome. He's still very smart, understands how to take care of the football for the most part. And I don't think he's done. But the days of him carrying the squad are done. I do think that. Do you think – and I've seen some – some debate about this, about how much is LaFleur's offense versus how much is the Rodgers McCarthy offense and how much of is it even, you know, people talk about obviously the McVay Shanahan offense and people are saying, well, we're seeing less and less than that every year. I thought from the past two years, uh, the MVP years that the brilliance of it all and talking to LaFleur, talking to Rodgers and all of this stuff 
was that they were they were able to mold those two styles together. Agreed. Um, are we seeing that kind of thing this year? Is it getting worse? Is it getting more McCarthy Rogers? I mean, one of the things Rogers told me was that he liked the idea of spreading it out like he did with McCarthy, using his voice to sort of let the defense declare no motion, all of that stuff. I really think he struggles with the motion. I don't think that I know that um, he likes the West coast style. Like what is the best offense for Aaron Rodgers in, in 2022? And especially this version, Chris. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's, you know, the best for their team with the way they're playing right now. I mean, you said some great stuff there. I think you're right. The last two or three years was a great merger of a little bit of both. Right. I feel like this year, it's swayed more to no, this is what Aaron Rodgers yeah. likes. And we're just going to have to kind of play with this. And we got the young receivers and, you know, we got, we had some injuries in the offensive line. So, okay, let's just let him have his way. And, <laughs> and you're right. He wants to keep things still and then get to the line of scrimmage. And he knows the list of plays he wants to get to at the line of scrimmage audible to, according to what the defense is. And that's his comfort zone. But that might be good for him and his quarterback reading, quarterback rating and pass completion percentage and all that. But that that to me is is dropping the ball in 2022 as far as the way the game is set up for quarterbacks, the passing, offense, the rules, everything. You know, the dink and dunk, we're gonna surgically yeah. destroy you three and four yards at a time. It's just it, it's too hard to do that now. It's not, and you're seeing the guys that are winning are the guys that make plays it's Mahomes, it's Allen, it's Lamar, you know, it's Joe Burrow. It's guys that, yeah, they're smart, but man, when there's a time to push it down, I don't think twice I'm going downfield and going to make a play and flip the field position or make a big play and score the touchdown. And right now that's where, you know, he's missing. And, and I think it has swayed a little too much into Rogers favor as compared to what's best for the team and, and for LaFleur. So, Let's take Mahomes out of this. If you've yeah. got to take Mahomes, different category. If you're put in charge of a team and magically are gifted any quarterback for the rest of the season, who you're taking right now, who's got the belt right now, we're saying this guy's playing better than anybody who's not Patrick Mahomes right now. I don't mean, you know, for, for the next five years, I mean, I got for the you. next the five weeks. Yeah, no, I, you know, I mean, you're right. Mahomes is the guy right now. Josh Allen's still the guy I'm going to go with after that. To me, Kevin, you know, and I know Josh Allen, it's, it's has been, you know, he went through a two week period there of like dumb interceptions and what the hell are you doing? I, I, I understand that. But I will also say, I don't know if anybody's asked to deliver more for their football team than Josh Allen, you know, and that's where, you know, you got to give a little give and take where, hey, if they're going to make make him do everything every now and then he's going to make a mistake and he hasn't played his best. But again, you saw what he was capable of last week, again, late in the game. That would throw down the middle to set up the game-winning field goal. I mean, only Mahomes really makes that throw. So I'm still going to go with Josh Allen. I mean, three weeks ago, I would have said Josh Allen's the MVP of the league. And then he yeah. kind of struggled, and Mahomes has stayed you know, good and consistent to where he's in the, the leader house, as I, I joke around and say now. But, <laughs> but, Kevin, to your point, I think Mahomes and Allen are kind of in their own little next-level category. Right. And then you get to Joe Burrow and Lamar and Herbert and that kind of group there that are kind of, you know, working their way up to get to that extra special category those two are in. Is there a guy who's going to be in that category by the end of, let's say, next season? 
Ooh. It's not there now? Well, that's a good question. You know, the guy that I think would jump out to me as of right now, just what I saw, what I've been seeing a little as of late, and what I saw on Sunday, like Trevor Lawrence can be that guy. Ooh. Trevor Lawrence can be that guy that could be a top five quarterback. Yeah, I know. It's, Ooh, it's, okay. Yeah. What, what, yeah. what is that? The, the gap gets bridged how? Well, the gap gets bridged by just doing what we saw on Sunday a little more consistently. And I don't mean he's got to bring the team back by nine every week and make that happen. But the one thing like we saw, you know, we've seen good game and, oh, wow, that's a great throw. And all these things that go, wait, we, we think he's got it. He's the man. Last week was the first time I went, wait. You know, I've been waiting for the wow moments of get on my shoulders, get on my back. This is why you drafted me number one. And I'm going to make some throws here and some plays down the stretch of the game that you might even call the perfect defense. But it it just doesn't matter because I'm going to make the play and do it that way. And that's what I saw a little, you know, I've been seeing little smidgens of it here and there in every game. Last week, I saw it for four quarters. And then at the end of the game, he made some of the damnedest throws. And then you, you add that with his size and his speed. And he's learning, to, he's learning to play in the pocket better, Kevin. You know, he was spoiled at Clemson. He could sit there all oh, yeah. day in the same spot and never have anybody around him. Now he's moving around in the sweet spot. He's staying in throwing position all the time. His mechanics, Kevin, my one issue with him coming out was he could throw an out route 10 times and throw mm-hmm. the ball eight different times in those 10 throws. And that would lead to the ball being a little all over the place. He's honed that in. And then just even like, you know, Clemson spoiled him. And Hey, when coach calls the play and the first read, he's almost, he's always open here at Clemson. I yep. just throw the yep. first guy and he got the Jacksonville and he'd be like, Hey, first guy, first guy, first <laughs> guy, first guy, where are you? And now he's boom, 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 right across. And, and that's what I'm seeing. So we continue to see that. He is the type of guy here that could inject himself into that conversation. That's fascinating. Um, a couple couple things that you said that were interesting. Number one is that the spoiling at Clemson is interesting to me because when I look at Bryce Young, I, I went back and forth with NFL people over the past year on Bryce Young. And one of the things I said was, I'm actually glad like this year, Alabama didn't have the best skill guys in the world. Right, um, you know, right. And, and that's actually a good thing to see because I think that you're playing a different sport when you've got Guys open everywhere, and you've got plenty of time to throw. It's a completely different sport than other guys are playing, than someone like Will Levis is playing in Kentucky. Now, Levis has other advantages in that he was already in McVay's Shanahan system, so guys could see that. They could see that even. Sure, sure. I kind of like when these guys have to play behind makeshift offensive lines with without Jamison Williams for a year or whatever uh-huh. it is. Like, that's good for me. Um, you mentioned the, the, the Josh Allen thing. And it was interesting to me because Brandon Bean had said to me before the season, one of the reasons they drafted a running back so high and especially a kind of a yak, kind of a pass catching running back was one of the things that Bean has come to realize is that when Josh Allen makes a mistake, it's not because he's reckless. It's not because right. he, he can't read it. It's because he's trying to do too much. It's because exactly he's trying right. to do too much and you have to give him those weapons. Okay. And I'm curious what you think of Ken Dorsey's offense. I, I like yeah. Ken Dorsey as a person. I don't do as much tape eval as you do. You're going to know more than me. And where the Bills are in that pecking order of AFC teams, because it's pretty crowded right now. You can kind of make a case for seven or eight teams to even get out of that conference. Yeah, I, I still think the Bills are one of the the top teams in the conference, but it's not by, they're, they're, it's not by any great margin to where I right. would feel comfortable. I mean, you're, you're saying it, right? 
I mean, you look at the top six teams in that conference right now, Bengals, Bills, Ravens, Titans, Dolphins, Kansas City. I go, they could all go to the Super Bowl. They, they just, they got too many big top level, big time players to where, wait, this team that we thought was better makes one mistake. And all of a sudden, uh oh, this other team's going to win. You know, so that's where the AFC is awesome. But I still think they're a team that's at the top of, you know, the rankings as far as that's concerned. I do. And again, even, you know, they lost to Minnesota. I know that they dominated Minnesota. Yeah. They, they really did. It was miraculous plays and and things that were correctable mistakes by Buffalo where you just go, why? I can't believe this defender did this. I can't believe Allen did that. This isn't like, oh, the Vikings forced this to happen. Right. It's a little of like, yeah, they just became a little cocky and like, we're going to make it happen. And I'm Josh Allen and zing, zoom, there's lasers all over the place. And I'm going to run here and there and it'll all be good. But yeah, there's a fine line of being reckless or being tactically aggressive. And I think that's where Josh Allen struggles a little at times. And of course, because of what you're saying and what Brandon Bean said, right. They ask him to do too much at times. So then, oh, wait, we haven't done anything here in you know the last two drives. I, I got to make it happen and yeah. jumpstart the team. And that's when problems happen. So my thing with them too here is, you know, the defense has been a little banged up, but I still think it's a better defense than they've had in years past, and they have more size. And I think it's going to bode well for them in the playoffs. And Tredavious White getting healthy in the back end is going to really help them out. But then the other thing I will say is I have been a staunch believer, and you listen to my pod, and you probably heard me say this. They need another weapon. That would be the first thing yep. I would say. It can't always be Josh Allen throw a laser down the field into a tight window or Josh Allen make an incredible run. Gabe Davis is very good. He's not a great number two. He's a great number three. They would be a team I would go, man, they need Odell Beckham Jr. And then to your point, too, with the running backs and all that, hey, I don't think they're going to become a running team at this point of the season. But what they can do is like Kansas City a little bit. I'd love to see more reverses and speed sweeps and, you know, mm -hmm. fake the speed sweep and throw a screen out here to digs and that type of stuff where it's a de facto run game, but mm -hmm. take some pressure off of Josh Allen to where he doesn't have to make the right read and read the coverage every play. So it's like a quarterback handing the ball off a little bit to where it's a mental relaxation and it's a good way to take some people off of Ken Dorsey's normal meat and potatoes plays and give them something else to think about. I like Ken Dorsey's offense so far. I do see think we've seen over the last few weeks Teams are starting to catch on to a few little tendencies they have. Like the, the Thanksgiving game would be a perfect example. They were moving the ball pretty well. We got late third quarter, fourth quarter, and damn, damned if there wasn't really people open and they were all over every route kind of down the stretch against Buffalo. Let's go some rapid fire. I did some research on you, and here goes. Number one, you have claimed you've only read one book in your life about the JFK assassination. Who did it? Uh, well, unfortunately, the U.S. government did it right mm -hmm. now, whether that's CIA, FBI, I think it's a little bit of a, 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 a collaboration yeah. there for a lot of different reasons. Team, too. It was a team turnover. It was a coverage. Sack. It was a it was team. A he was pissing yeah. people off. Yeah. He was challenging Ed, you know, J. Edgar Hoover. He challenged the CIA and privacy rules. He didn't want to go to war with Cuba and start all of that or start World War Three, 
He was trying to end monopolies and big business and issues like that. He used the mafia to help him get uh, elected and then kind of turned his back on them and tried to screw them over. So he made some enemies while trying to make the country better. And uh, there's no doubt if you read this one book, the only book I've ever read, and I am really into this subject, uh, I think you would come away with it. And this is documented stuff where you'd go, yeah, it's kind of hard to believe that this is an inside deal and he was set up to be killed by by our own country. So no other book has piqued your interest? No, no. And I've read other books, but like to go cover to cover. Yeah. And that was the only one I've ever done. Anything else I've got it. Yeah, I've read, hey, maybe 50 pages, 100 pages. I lose interest or I go, oh, the movie's out. I'll watch the movie. (laughs) I'm kind of that guy. I'm sorry. I'm a dumb blonde from New Jersey. I don't know what you expect. (laughs) <laughs> what is the book this what what book have you read the most pages of that wasn't the JFK book? Oh gosh. Mm. Let me think about that. That's a good question. I've gone down the route of some biographies, right? Sure. Um where you know, like Mike Lombardi's Bill Walsh book. Yeah. Right? Which I really loved. I just didn't finish it, but I I probably read 80 100 pages to Ooh. that. You know, there's um uh yeah a few other biographies along the way that just i've kind of dabbled in but never finished you know cover to cover um so that that's my problem can we launch the chris sims book club where we just read 50 pages <laughs> of a different book we read the jfk book and then we just read like 50 pages of a bill walsh book maybe score takes care of itself we just do 50 pages at a time Maybe, maybe I'll make that my off-season Chris Sims Unbutton podcast. I'll dive That's into book it. reading book a little club. bit. Do you just like don't just read page two hundred to two fifty of this book? <laughs> don't read anything before that or after after that. Um, is Texas ever coming back? Um, yes. I don't know if it's happening, you know, next year or the year after that. But I think the Arch Manning thing will be a jump off. I do. Um, I like Steve Sarkeesian and what he's doing there. I've always said there's too many cooks in the kitchen down in Texas. That's why people don't always want that job. There's too many, you know, idiot billionaires who think they know everything because they have a billion dollars and they think they know how to run a football team too. So that's an issue down there. But yes, I do. I just still think it's too special of a school. I do think Sarkeesian's a good coach. I just, they need that jump off spot. And that's where I think Arch Manning could then get some guys down there to where it's like, oh, wait, this place is cooler than I realized. And I didn't realize the history of this school. You know, they just kind of got under the radar here for, I think, the young generation. And, and you know, I'll, I'll say for my own self here, I feel like that's what I helped out with Texas a little bit. You can say what you want about me as a player there and all that. We were damn good. But between Ricky Williams winning the Heisman yeah. and then me being the number one player in the country and my last name being Sims, like Arch Manning Manning, we had the number one recruiting class two years in a row, you know, because I hey, the top receiver wanted to come play with me and the top running back wanted to play with me. And then the next year, another top receiver wanted to come play with me. And all of a sudden we're in the junior year and we're like, damn, we're, we're fucking good. We're, we're stacked here. And I think Arch Manning has a chance to do that for the university of Texas. How can weed help the NFL? Weed. I think weed can help the NFL just by getting people off of prescription drugs. I think that would be the biggest thing. That's where my mind goes right away. Too many ex-teammates and players who, you know, back in my day, weed's not legal. 
and they got pains and injuries or want to just take the stress off but don't want to drink at night because drinking is horrible for your muscles and that's how you pull muscles as a prime athlete to where now they would you know, take a, 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 some sort of pill, Vicodin, whatever, to make them feel good, relax, take the edge off. So that's the, the place I always think about weed being helpful for players. I mean, it's a pressure-packed sport. You know that. There's a lot that goes into it physically and mentally. And, you know, marijuana is something I would certainly vouch for that helps you out in both of those departments. I know it's a stressful physical sport. I spent 11 hours in a beanbag chair behind me on Sunday because the house is not set up. I pulled out my back a little bit. So, no, I, you, you, mentioned, you mentioned me knowing it's a stressful physical sport. Definitely um, when you're sitting on your ass for, for 11, 12 hours uh, <laughs> out, out of the day. Um, all right, last two things for you, our staples. Number one, we call it. Well, let's do horoscope first. When's your birthday, Chris Sims? I am August 29th, 1980. I am a Virgo. My birthday's on the same day as Michael Jackson, the, the late, great Michael Jackson. Late, great. The late, great. Yeah. Uh, I right, don't know if it's late or great. It's weird to bring up Michael Jackson anymore because of the, I don't know, the weird child stuff. It actually makes me uncomfortable well, talking about speaking him. Speaking of weird um, and, and, and birthdays that aged poorly, my birthday is shared by Mr. Brett Favre. Oh, there you go. See, so we both got our own issues. We both got, you know, we both some got guys to be with... like, hey, guess who we were? We were this year, <laughs> right. with this guy. Like 20 years ago, we were cooking yeah. and now we so... can't even bring it up. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Here's here's the horoscope. Feel free to let it out. Let it all out today, Virgo. It's finally your turn to stand up and say what you feel. Don't let others push you into places you don't want to be. The key to, is to probe deeply with your penetrating mind and share your incredible insights with others. It keeps going. It's a long Virgos are cooking today. Don't be surprised if your actions cause some tension. Don't let this stop you from doing what you feel is right. There you go. I feel like that's kind of me on a daily basis right now right. with football and talking and all that. But hey, I, I, I like that little daily mantra there. That's a good one. I love that. All right. We do a thing called Club Kevin. You can induct anybody in the world you want to. It could be a TV show you're watching. It could be an actor, an actress from that. It could be an athlete. It could be somebody in football right now. It does not matter. Anybody in the world. Who are we inducting into our Hall of Fame? Oh, wow. Wow. Man. This is a deep one. I was not expecting this. Gosh. I want to go something. I know I could go football and that kind of stuff, and I don't want to do that. You know, I am a big environment guy, right? So I am. I heard heard in my research, I heard you refer to yourself as Captain Planet. That's exactly right. Captain Planet's here to save the day. I live on a farm. Here in Connecticut, I got animals. You know, we we live the oh natural life. We really do. Um, so I'm always concerned about that, and especially with some of the issues we're having in our world right now. And and I think it's pretty obvious that we got to start taking care of things. So, damn, I guess I'm gonna go with this. I did not. I'm gonna go with Greta Thunberg. There you like that. Whoa, Boom. that's a first. Boom. That's a first. She's never been in. I know. It just it's where my mind went. And I like the planet. I like my kids to grow up on a planet that's safe and healthy and my grandkids. She's, st- I think, having the right conversations and pushing back the powers to be. So I'm going to give her some respect to throw her in the Hall of Fame for Kevin Clark. That 
I'm trying to think. Mark Ingram put Joe Biden in. So that was our first political one. Ed Reed put Dave Chappelle in with, with a political rant attached, which was right. a different that was a different category. So I would okay. say Greta's probably the, probably the second political <laughs> figure, world figure inducted into the club, Kevin. So we appreciate that. Chris Sims, we cannot thank you enough. Hope to see you in uh in our new neck of the woods pretty soon, buddy. You know, we're 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 uh neighbors now. So we do. We gotta get together. Have a drink, maybe have a smoke, help you out with that back problem on the uh, the, the beanie bag. <laughs> the beanie bag, you sure. right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks, brother. All right, man. Be good. Good luck. See ya. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.